All right, how are we doing today? Doing well? Now, we said that in the course of this series, we'd show you some road trip clips, commercials from movies, whatever. That's not so much a family road trip, more of a friend one, but it just made us laugh so hard we had to use it. So if you're here today feeling like a diva, you are in good company. So we're glad you're here. I want to welcome you. We are in week three of a new series called Road Trip, talking about what God has for families and the, the direction he's leading us and how we can join him in that process. And so we're really glad you're here today. Some things for you. You have a worship folder or a program. You can take that. And in it, you have a set of message notes. They look like this. You want to have those out, kind of helping you and being ready to go. That'd be good. We'll have some blanks you can follow along. Also, remember, if you're part of a home group, this has uh, your notes in it this week as you guys have a great discussion to talk about what we've talked about today. While you've got those open, let me even do this so you don't have to get them back out again to show you another part. Kind of open them to this inside page. And you'll notice at the bottom, some of the things that we're trying to do on a weekly basis give you some tools. I'll mention a book recommendation in a moment. But you'll see this table talk question. What we're trying to do is stimulate a conversation in your family. Just one, not giving you 17 to talk about. Just one a week, just to kind of begin a conversation. What do we do with what we've heard? And how do we begin to make this more real in our lives? So you'll notice that's what that question is. Uh, for later on. If you have a Bible today, you can open it to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. And the great news is, if you don't know where 2 Corinthians is, it comes right after 1 Corinthians. So that'll be helpful. It's about seven or eight books into the New Testament. If you have a New Testament, you can find your way there. And we'll be in chapter 5 to hold a place there. Now, one thing we've been talking about, kind of concurrently actually, we kicked it off the same weekend as our series was that what we're calling a chair campaign, new seats, new stories. And that we did this on purpose. We wanted to kind of think about, as we're doing some, some reshaping in this room, new carpet is coming in later this month, and new chairs will come in, that we wanted to think it through a missional lens, like meaning rather than just add it to the general budget of that process, let's actually make it more personal. And so we've been encouraging you to buy a chair for the friend that you're inviting to Trinity Church. And we've done a great job of that. You've done a great job of responding out of the, the 800 chairs we're trying to raise funds for. We've bought, we're enough for 141 of them, so we're on our way. But one of the things I wanted to mention is, as important as it is for you to consider buying a chair for the friend you're going to invite, and I've actually seen people write down, I'm buying a chair for this person I'm inviting and this person I'm praying for. It's been so cool, just exactly what I'd hoped for. But on the other hand, we're maybe not thinking, you need to buy yourself a chair, too. Okay. <laughs> Otherwise, it'll be one for your friend, but not for you, okay? So, so join us. The way you can note that is on your giving is just write the word chairs on a check or how you're doing it online. And remember, it's over and above kind of our normal gifts, and it's just going to be a great thing. Some have asked me, by the way, good question. What about the current chairs that we have? And we do have something lining up to be able to donate them to another church. So just know they're not just going to be put out in the back 40 somewhere, but we're going to make sure that they're used and excited about kind of the new life that some of the things in here we're going to do are going to bring as well. So just want to give you that update. Um, in this uh, kind of weekly essentials, things that we're trying to do to give you kind of handles and tools, one of the things as a reminder, we have this event coming up at the end of, uh, or the end of this series, but the first weekend of June, 
June 4th called Family Forum. And um, we've given you some information about it. We have four seminars that we'll be offering that day. You'll have a chance to go to two of the four, the way the, the timing works. And just some things that will really give you some handles outside of this series. It gets a little bit into some specific categories that we couldn't cover on the weekend, but we're excited to make it available to you. And even uh, no matter where you're at in the stages, we said last week, maybe you're not raising kids right now, but you know people who are. Maybe not only invite them, maybe pay for them to come. It's very inexpensive, $10 a person. But that's just a great opportunity, again, for people who might never come to church, but would come if there's some help for their parenting. And so just be prayerfully thinking about that. June the 4th, you can register online today. Another part of our weekly essentials is I want to give you a weekly book recommendation. And this book is so in, in line with where we're going today. It's called The Danger of Raising Nice Kids. The title is very poignant on purpose. Written by a guy named Tim Smith. Tim has been involved in family ministries for at least three decades. He's a pro and does a great job of just laying out in this book some great ideas. I love the subtitle, Preparing Our Children to Change Their World. And uh, just excited about you getting this in your hands. One of the biggest reasons, by the way, I could encourage you, I'll actually quote this book later today, but I really want to encourage you, is based on the appendix. In the back, there's some great tools. I thought this was great. A way to identify your family's core values and mission. Kind of a tool to help you walk out what do we say is most important that we want to be about. And I love this one. Uh, I told you a couple weeks ago, I actually read to you what our family's kind of um, target is for our kids. This is what this says. We want our child to be at 18. Right there in the back. Just a guide for developing your own. So a couple of really great um, appendices, tools as well, that you might want to consider and just be helpful. Again, remember, uh, no one's making money off recommending books to you. We're just trying to put good resources in your hands, especially in a very resource-saturated culture. You don't even know where to start. And so I just am weekly giving you some handles uh, for some ideas. This series, Road Trip, is not just about identifying a destination but it's about giving us ways to course correct. We might say as we're evaluating our families over the course of this series, God, I think we've wandered. I think we're over here and not where you want us to be. And then the beauty is, is redemption. The beauty is how do we course correct and get on the path that you want us to be on. The statement that we're going to keep central today in this idea of raising missional kids, see it on the screen, it's on your notes, because you're raising the next generation of Jesus' church, train them now to live out his mission. Train them now to live out his mission. And I think about that phrase and I kind of process it and I go, you know, that's a, a powerful phrase because what it does is it reminds you of the stewardship you have. We often say we're raising our kids or my kids. They've always been God's kids. And as they are his next generation of his church, I want to begin now raising them with the mission in mind. So we're going to dive into that today. Number one in your notes, don't don't merely raise kids to be moral, but missional. Don't raise kids merely to be moral, but to be missional. Let's take a little survey today around the room and uh, we'll find something. Do this for me. Raise your hand if you have raised a child who is a self-sustaining professional athlete today. Doesn't mean they, you know, won a bowling tournament and got 50 bucks, but they're professional. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Raise your hand this morning if you would say that you have raised a child who is a U.S. Supreme Court justice or is a um, U.S. congressman or congresswoman. 
Uh, raise your hand today if you have raised a Nobel Peace Prize winner. <laughs> Here's the part that I love. I love people are looking around. Where are they? <laughs> you realize I'm in a room full of losers. What's going on? <laughs> By the way, though I had my hand up for demonstration purposes, I can't raise my hand to any of those things either. If, if that is your standard, if that is the goal, the apex of, of what our culture says matters... Our culture would say that's when you have arrived is when your kid becomes something in this great world of of professional sports or of politics or of education. But I want to roll out something to you today. And by the way, we all kind of looked around. Yep, none of us fit that category. And by that standard, we're not killing it. I want to tell you something important, though, today, and I think encouraging. That's not the standard. I was never the goal. Those aren't bad things, but they were never the goal because something that is eternally more significant, eternally more valuable than any accomplishments in athletics or in uh, the government sector or in education is that of living a missional life that counts for eternity. One that takes this great news of Jesus and wants to be about infusing that in one's relationships and being his representative. Now, if we were to take that survey, it still might be a little more discouraging, but I want to tell you what our future is as a church. I get so excited when I think about who Trinity Church is becoming. When I think about the idea of what parents and individuals are grabbing hold of, of what matters most, what is the main thing? What are the majors that we are to major on? And if it is this reality of living lives where the gospel doesn't just come to us and stay with us, but this great news of Jesus is something we want to influence the people around us with. Great things are coming. And I will ask this question in future times of how many of us are raising people, young adults who are changing their worlds because they're influencers and hands by the scores, will go up. Today, you're going to meet some of them. I'm excited about a student and uh, panel that we're going to have today where kids are going to share with you, this is kind of what this looks like in my life, and I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But we're going to dive in today, and we're going to take a look at what this reality is, is how, and why is it so important that I am involved in helping raise kids that are going to change the world of being involved in in joining Jesus' mission of seeking and saving the lost. Here's how I want us to proceed today, how you find yourself in this message. How is this somehow connected to you? Well, number one, if you are raising kids at home, you already knew this matters essentially to you. It's so important. And no matter where you're at in the process, if you're raising a two-year-old or if you're raising a 17-year-old, wherever you're at in that range, you can begin now. To make this important at home. Maybe you have kids on the way. And it's just something you're beginning to anticipate. Or it's something that you're actually with child. And you're ready in the next coming months. No matter where. Lay the foundation now. That missional living is what we're about. Maybe you have kids out of the home. You're an empty nester. And now you parent from more of afar. You have this great ongoing influential opportunity. Yourself. To embrace and live out this influencing life, this intentional influencer role, and your adult children will notice. 
Maybe it's this. Maybe you're a student, a child who's being raised at home right now. You're all over this auditorium today. If you're that person and your parents are trying to do things that are molding and shaping and training you this direction, be moldable. Be teachable. Be people who want to say, I want to become that person. I don't know what it looks like yet, but keep showing me. Have that kind of disposition. We said last week the incredibly important role of grandparenting. You're a grandparent in the room today. Don't discount that very unique role you have with grandkids. So unlike what their parents get to do, or have to do, is what you get to do. And as you model and as you influence and as you are someone who yourself is living out a missional life, your grandkids are watching You get to influence them. Or maybe you're here today and you have no connection personally. You don't have children. You don't think you ever will. But you are connected to young people. You're connected to them in your extended family. You're connected to them and maybe you're in a teaching environment in a school. You're connected to them because of your neighborhood. You're connected to kids. And the way that you would be a source of example and influencer in their life. Don't ever consider that no big deal. You have an opportunity today to do that. I told you a few weeks ago as we kicked off this series how incredibly um, important this whole topic came to me when I was a youth pastor in Oregon. To remind you of the story, I was putting together what we just called a student profile. I was a youth pastor. I understood my role. I was not responsible primarily to train and prepare young adults to be the Jesus followers. It was their parents. I was coming alongside of them. So what kind of better approach than to putting together some questionnaires, some surveys, and giving those to families that were connected to our church and asking them, what are you aiming at? Who is it that, just like we read in the book, that at 18, at walking across a graduation stage, who are you hoping, who are you desiring, what are you forming your children to be? And as I asked them those questions, and I was even in their living rooms talking about their answers, the questions, or the answers were these. I want my kids to have a good work ethic. I want my kids to have integrity. I want my kids to be kind. And those are good things. Never once did I go, why would you want that? But I got to tell you, as I heard story after story, encounter after encounter, I heard all the same kind of answers. And I thought, who am I talking to? Any family in America that I would have sat across from would have told me the exact same thing. But these were people that were connected to our church. Never once did a parent say, I I am about raising kids who love Jesus passionately. And they want to share his great good news of love with other people. No one said that. And I sat there and I thought, God, I thought we were to be about something more. I was so overwhelmed with how satisfied they were with so little. Their bar was to me so low. Because I thought we were about raising people, a new generation of people who were missional, who wanted to reach their worlds. And the reality is, Jesus did say that's what we were to be about. Even if that group of people hadn't grabbed it yet, Jesus said that's it. Look in your notes. Jesus said that we were to be his ambassadors. 
his representatives from one kingdom sent to another. Jesus said that is what we're to be about. Your Bibles are open to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is what it says beginning in verse 18. All of this is from God. What we're talking about contextually, Paul has just said that in Christ you're a new creation. All things are new. The old has passed away. That's the verse that just precedes this. So this transforming work of the gospel, bringing newness to life, all of this is from God who reconciled, who made us right to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. What does that mean? Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. His representatives, his delegates, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. And and I haven't done tons of research on the the role and the, the job title of ambassador, but here's a couple things I know. Ambassadors are a group of people that are sent from one people group, one nation, one kingdom to another. And and for the sole purpose of representing this king, this leader, this authority's interest in another land. That's why ambassadors are sent. So an ambassador is a sent one, a delegate from one group of people sent to another. And here's the wild thing you have to know. Ambassadors have no authority. They're sent under authority, but where they go in this new land they live in, they have no authority in that land, but what they do have is influence. What they do have is influence, and that's their whole job, is to influence people back to the agenda that they were sent with. Jesus has an agenda for the world. Guess what it is? He loves them. He loves people. He loves people you're connected to in your relational worlds. And he wants them to know of his great love and his ability to forgive and to make right with the creator of the universe. And he wants to use you. He wants to use you as a source of influence, as a source of that great news, to be an intentional influencer. This specific passage that we just read, our mission is to influence others in our relational worlds to be reconciled to God. The way that we're beginning to define and describe what this looks like at Trinity Church, the way that we're beginning to kind of share and just begin to peek at this idea together is really kind of summed up in a couple of words. The words rooted and reaching. Here's what they mean. They signify rooted in Jesus, reaching our worlds. Rooted in Jesus, reaching our worlds. This is more and more becoming our language, more and more describing what the mission looks like. As you can even see the branding that we've been rolling out, you're beginning to see it on different things related to Trinity Church. And what I love about it, it tells a story. It tells this idea that there's this tree and it's very obvious that within it are roots growing deep, growing out, but branches that are reaching into a world And the thing, if you can just kind of keep this on the front of your mind more and more, I promise, is coming to explain. But for now, just those two words will suffice, rooted and reaching. 
And the great news is today, this panel of students, when they come out, they're just simply going to explain to you what it looks like to be rooted and reaching in their worlds. That's what they're going to do. And it's going to be so encouraging to you as you hear it and you realize, you know what, God, I could do that too. Here's the question. Why are we making such a big deal about this? Why is this so important? Why does Todd keep floating it to the top? Well, I do so because it's what matters. C.S. Lewis said it this way. It is, this is the whole of Christianity. There is nothing else. It is so easy to get muddled about that. And I know for decades of my life, I lived muddled, confused that there was something more important than something else. It's easy to think that the church has a lot of different objects, education, building, missions, holding services. The church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ. To make them little Christ, as it were, Christians, followers of Jesus. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, the clergy, the missions, the sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. It is even doubtful, you know, whether the whole universe was created for any other purpose. We cannot lose our bearings. We cannot lose what Jesus said matters most. And that there is a lost world that he has commissioned us to reach into. Now, one of the things you've been hearing throughout this whole series is this kind of... um, a gut check kind of statement, but it's true again today. You cannot give what you don't have. It's not a look out the window phrase. It's a look in the mirror phrase. You cannot give what you don't have. How am I going to raise missional kids, rooted and reaching kids, if I'm not one of them? If I'm not living like that myself? And the thing I want you to hear today is it begins with you. We talked a couple weeks ago about the Great Commission. As you're going into the world make disciples. Today we read from Paul's letter, you are called to be his ambassadors, his representatives to your world. When you hear things like that, when you read the scriptures for yourself, what does this do to you? Does it excite you? Do you go, oh, I need to continually be reminded of what matters most and where I need to point towards? Does it scare you? Because you don't know what that looks like and you don't know how to be that person yet. Or does it even threaten the nature of many of your friendships where religion is off limits? All kinds of different reactions, and I get that. This did not come naturally to me. It took time. But I want to encourage you today to take seriously your mission, your need to live a rooted and reaching life. And as you do, it will become a model A model for the kids you're raising, a model for the kids that you are connected to, a model for the kids you have influence with. It will take root. I love these words, 1 Corinthians 11.1. Follow, Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And that approach of modeling leads to our next point. Number two in your notes today. To raise missional kids is to disciple them. To raise missional kids is to disciple them. I want you to hear this from me today. You have to know what I'm, what I'm really trying hard not to do is to throw some big weight upon your shoulders that I have no connection to. I want to remind you, I'm in it. My oldest turns 20 this month, which, by the way, makes me feel so incredibly old. Okay? New, a new decade he begins. 
Aaliyah's 17. Kendi turns 15 next week. Ellie's 9. I am in this thing called parenting with you. I don't talk from some elevated point of saying, y'all ought to do this. Or I'm not below you saying, I've never been there yet, but I think it looks great when you do it this way. I'm in it with you, and I get it. I get the amount of plates that you're spinning so much so that you're hearing this today. If you're in it right now, you're going, oh, great. He just gave me a new thing to do. I wasn't doing good at all the other stuff. Now you're telling me maybe even the most important thing I'm not doing. Woo! Encouragement at Trinity. I know it takes a lot of time, energy, and effort to be involved in your children's physical development. I know it takes a lot of time, energy, and effort to be involved in your kids' educational development. I know it takes a lot of time, energy, and effort to be involved in your kids' moral and ethical development. I know it takes a lot of time, energy, and effort to be involved in your kids' relational development. I know it takes a lot of time, energy, and effort to be involved in your kids' spiritual development. I'm doing all those same things. But here's what I want to put out to you today. Rather than feeling as though you're already spinning too many plates, and here I'm throwing you another plate to spin, instead what I'm asking you to do is just pull back for a second and simply ask this question. What if I was doing all of those same things that take so much time, energy, and effort and did them, though, all through the lens of how does this better train and prepare my child to change their world? What if I shifted gears and began to see things anew, began to say, hey, my kid's education super important. But it's only important as long as it helps them be more intentionally invested in their world. Hey, my kids' relational development is super important, but only as much as it helps them become someone who can be an ambassador in their relationships. My kids' spiritual development is so important, but keeping framed at the front that Jesus came to seek and save the lost... And my kids need to be ready and engaged in that mission even now. You see, I can do and should be doing all of those other developmental things. But if I will get underneath all of them and at the foundation say, Jesus, you have entrusted me with raising the next generation of your church. I want to help them be about that mission. And all the things that we're working on and all the things we're engaged in. You can do it. The very first parenting conference I put together when I was at High Desert Church, I brought a friend named Daniel Hahn. And Daniel uh, was a great guy and I really thought he did an awesome job for us. I quoted him a couple of weeks, I think it was last week, about God will honor your half for single parents or those married to people who aren't following Jesus yet or joint custody. But this is how Daniel started. First parenting conference. I'm in the back. I'm nervous. I've only been on the job about four months putting all the details together. My wife's involved in all the logistics, doing great. And here Daniel gets up, quick introduction. This is the very, very first words out of his mouth. Very first thing he said. Do you want obedient children or wise children? And I sat in the back and I was freaking out. That's a horrible question. Why would you make someone pick? That's a horrible thing. And in my mind, I'm racking it going, there are no wise three-year-olds. I want obedient ones. Okay, that's all I'm after. 
And as I'm listening to the question and listening to him unloaded, this is how he begins to share. He says, you know what you're after? You want wise children. Because merely obedient children will simply do what they're told, but the minute they're out from underneath your roof, they won't know who to follow because they've never had to think wisely on their own. Raise wise children. It's a paradigm shift. And I'm saying the same thing through a missional lens. It is a paradigm shift to say, I want to help my kids be intentional influencers in their world. What we're doing leads to that end. What we're doing is infused with that idea, and it's just simply a change of approach. In the book that I recommended to you earlier today by Tim Smith, this is what he writes about this idea of the difference of just pure a punishment discipline model versus that of a discipleship model. This is what he writes. The motive of discipline is to get a child to obey. But compliance isn't enough in a culture that will chew up and destroy teens and young adults who are not mature. Discipleship focuses on the mentoring relationship between a parent and a child. It focuses on what the child learns, not simply changing his or her behavior. The motive of discipleship is to nurture a child toward maturity. Now, please, some of you are going to say today, that was really an interesting day today at Trinity Church. Todd told us we don't need to discipline our kids. I didn't say that. I'm going to show you a chart in just a minute that kind of gives some distinction of what I'm talking about. But here's what I'm saying. A lot of times as parents, because you're disciplining, you're dealing with the same thing for the 17th time in four days. You're so frustrated, all you want is a change of behavior. What this reminder is, is that really what you want is their heart. Really what you want to get to, what you want to affect are their affections and the way they think, becoming wise. Look at the chart. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's in your notes. It's on the screen. If you have a model that is more of the punishment discipline model, this is how you roll. This is what it looks like. Your goal is nice kids. But if it's a discipleship model, your goal is mature influencers. That's what you're after. On the one hand, it's to punish and correct. On the other, it's to model and pass on self-control. The discipline model is a focus on child's behavior. The discipleship model focuses on child's learning and preparation. One is external, one is internal. One is based on personality, one is based on character. One is about using force and control, the other one's using relationship and influence. One's about power, the other is about authority. One is about instruction, one's about modeling, one's about compliance, the other's about cooperation. One is now, immediate. The other is a process that allows time for change. One is about action. One is about attitude. One is about submission. One is about mentoring. One is about a child who changes their behavior and watch this. The other is about a child and a parent who become mature. See, that's kind of the missing piece. We don't talk much about related to parenting. And very much the same way that you are modeling and molding a young generation, God is always using them to grow you. That's this amazing thing most parents never take stock of, never realize. And it's been these poignant moments in our time with our kids that we've realized, God, you are teaching us so much by giving us this stewardship of developing young adults, young adults who want to change their worlds. 
This is how it begins. It begins when parents begin to take a shift in mindset and say, I'm here to disciple my children to become the world changers God wants them to be. I want to introduce you today to some people that are real exciting to me because they are changing the world. We have a panel coming out. Can you welcome them this morning? Coming out, you guys. Now, in just a moment, we're going to have them go through. They're going to introduce themselves. They're going to tell you about uh, where they go to school, what grade they are. But I want to tell you something first about how I even found this group of, of great young people. It began by me asking, uh, it was a great idea, our, uh, one of our worship teams in a creative meeting said, hey, when you're doing the thing on raising missional kids, why not talk to some? Why not have some share? And so that idea prompted this. And then I said, hey, to um, people like Kim and Hilke and Jim, who in your departments do you see living missionally? This is who they nominated. So one of the things I've told them that's got to be so affirming is that people that are working with them, allies to their parents, are recognizing missional living in their lives. And that's a really cool thing. Let me start by saying this, by the way. None of these kids are perfect. Their parents will be the first to say so. Okay? So please don't be intimidated by what you hear today. Just the opposite. Be encouraged. Because this can become the stuff of your home. Okay? Let's start down here. Naomi, you can work your way down. Hi, my name is Naomi Buffum, and I'm a junior at Redlands High School. And being an intentional influencer in my life at a public high school is uh, just being open about my faith. Uh, that can start with talking, telling others what you did that weekend, and saying that you went to church and that crazy game that Jim had us play. And then that could lead to future conversations about what church you go to, what you believe in. Depending on the person you're talking to, they can even bring up that future conversation. Just this past week, I had a friend that's Catholic that started talking to me about how she was being confirmed. And that led to me talking about how when I was baptized and what that means for me. Also, my friend Maya and I at Redlands High School, there hadn't been a Christian club for my freshman and sophomore year. So we decided to have a Bible study when we found out that students from Citizens were starting Christian clubs. So me and Amaya do a Bible study on Fridays, and then I go on Thursdays to the Christian club. Very cool. Hello, my name is Andrews Carlson. I'm in seventh grade and go to Moore Middle School. And I have a classmate at school who is a devoted atheist, and I felt called by God to minister to him and tell him the good news of Jesus Christ. I did this by having ongoing conversations at school and praying for him all the time. Also, not only did he get to know the good news of Christ, but me and my friend Jonathan felt like we should talk to our whole class about Christ. God gave me the opportunity to do this when our teacher gave us an argumentative essay we could do on any topic. We were to write our essay and then present it to the entire class. I decided to argue for intelligent design and that we were designed by a creator. God gave me this opportunity and I didn't miss it. Finally, there is no way I could have done this without my friend Jonathan there to support me. Now, let me, you can go ahead and clap.
Now, before Jonathan goes, I want to tell you a really cool thing. And as we were kind of getting this list and putting this together, I talked to Anders about sharing. He's like, I, I couldn't do this without Jonathan because Jonathan and I are teammates. And one of the cool things about this attitude when you begin to live this way, you can feel, and even Naomi mentioned with Amaya, just having that sense of camaraderie, it is hard to live like this on your own, feeling like you're all by yourself and no one's there supporting you. And so when we join together with other missional people, we create a team. And this team, and by the way, as great as it is, the different essay opportunities, I want you to hear in both Anders and Jonathan's story, it was birthed from, I deeply love someone who doesn't love Jesus yet. It's not about winning an argument. It's about, I want this person to know Jesus deeply, and God gave me a great platform. So, Jonathan, go ahead. Hi, my name is Jonathan Che, and I go to Moore Middle School, and I'm a seventh grader. And, like Anders said, we have a friend who's an atheist. We have been trying to convert our friend to Christianity. Every day I prayed and prayed to God that he'll plant seeds into my friend's heart, and that he'll knock on the door for our friend. A couple of days later, my prayer was answered. My English teacher assigned the class an argumentative essay, where we write an argument over any topic. I decided to argue that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is true. Every single day, I worked and worked on my essay with Anders and with the Holy Spirit giving me the words. My essay disproved all the atheist theories on the resurrection and gave logical reasoning. I concluded that nothing could come close in disproving the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not only did I plant seeds in my friend, I also planted seeds in my classmates. Good morning. My name is Will Tamo. I'm 10 years old, and I go to Kimberly Elementary School. At school, I have asked the kids if they are Christians and if they go to church or believe in Jesus. I have invited my friends to Camp TLC and Link. One of my best friends comes to Link and Camp TLC with me. He has also come to church with me a few times. At home, I pray and try to read the Bible. I was baptized at the Fall Reunion last year and told some of my friends. Now, here's what I wanted them to do. They've all done such a great job. They're sharing with you, what does a missional life look like? What, what does that kind of look, flesh out like in my world? Now, the second question they're going to answer, kind of working back the other way, is how have their parents helped cultivate that? What have their parents done to encourage that? Go ahead, Will. My family helped with the Lofthouse pre-build. We are going to help next weekend at Serve It Up Saturday. I see parents pray, help others, study the Bible, be part of a small group, and go to church. My parents have been very supportive and encouraging. When my parents first heard of what I was doing, they were very surprised and concerned in the beginning. They have been very supportive by praying for me and encouraging me. They told me about how they were in the same situation I was in. They had friends who were not Christians, and they did not know about God. I remember that my parents invited them to our house many times to help them and have dinner. Over time, because of the fellowship and friendship, they became devoted Christians and started going to church. That encouraged me greatly and it supported me to spread God's word. My parents have raised me up to be a strong Christ follower. 
When I was young, my dad told me a story about how he stood up for Christ at school, and I wanted to do the same thing, but I didn't know quite how it would happen. Also, my mom told me what when to. Also, my mom always told me to do what the Lord calls me to do and obey it. At the time, I didn't really know what it would feel like when the Lord calls me to do something. But when our teacher gave us the argumentative essay, I knew exactly what I was supposed to do. I thank God for giving me such an awesome opportunity to glorify Him and my parents and grandparents for all they have done to raise me up in the faith of Christ. So my parents have encouraged me not only with their words, but also with their actions. Uh, I see them being home group leaders and at night while we pray before we go to bed, praying for their friends in their missional worlds, um, and also inviting their friends to Easter services, which set up the example for me to invite my friends. Amen. Here's just how I wanted to finish today. You've heard some great stories. Like we said, none of these are perfect kids. None of them come from perfect families. But what has taken root in their homes is that people in their relational worlds don't know Jesus yet, and they want to be a part of it. That's it. We're going to join Jesus in that. I want to finish by telling you just a story. just happened. It wasn't supposed to happen this week. I wasn't supposed to have this conversation in terms of where I was. But I was talking to a dad of a young son. He's... uh, uh, four years old, and he's in a, on a t-ball team, and dad's coaching. And I said, he just had all kinds of great stories of what four-year-olds do when they should be playing baseball, but are not, and it's great. <laughs> but this is what he told me. This is what he said. I want you to hear this today. Just out of the blue, it happened Tuesday morning. He said, Todd, what was really cool, though, is I got to talk to my four-year-old, and I said, hey, this is our relational world. These, these are the kids on your team and their families This is who God has strategically put us in relationship with for this season. Now we know who to pray for. Now we know who to invest in. Now we know who to invite to be a part of God's family. I want you to hear this today. You can do this. And you can start wherever you're at. Whether you have kids at home or whether you have influence with young adults, you can be a part of them becoming missional kids. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you today. We just want to thank you, thank you, thank you for this great thing you have done for us in the gospel, in this thing that changed our lives. And as a result of that, we don't want it to stop with us. We don't want to simply enjoy how much you love us, but not be interested in sharing that with the lost people in our world, the people who just like us needed you so badly. Help us in our own lives and in the way that we raise our kids to raise a new generation of your church who loves you and who loves people. If you're here today and you would say, you know, Todd, I have never really responded personally to this good news. I want to tell you, like we said earlier during communion, you can. And you can right now. A is to admit that you're a sinner. B is to believe Jesus is the only Savior available. C is to choose. To choose to say, Jesus, I want to walk in your steps. And Jesus, I want to join your mission. Because there's people in my world who are not living for you, not following you, not in love with you yet. I want to be a source of influence in their lives. Father, we are so grateful. Grateful for these young adults. Grateful for their families. And grateful for what you're doing at Trinity Church. We love you and we pray in the great name of Jesus. Amen.